Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? I am great. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Hey, Jay, I understand you just came back from Wyoming. I mean, I that's did. out there. It is. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. But I'm not sure I'd want to go in the winter. I don't know. Well, I don't, the winter okay. has great beauty and the Grand Tetons and yes. so on and so forth, those Rockies. But you discovered Wyoming for the first time, yes. and it was an adventure, yes, right? Yes, it was. And I'm so glad you could go. I've been there, and it's worth a trip. But, you know, speaking of Wyoming, mm. one thing about Wyoming is when you get there, there is mountainous Wyoming, right. you know, and then there's a part of Wyoming that's just this vast open landscape mm -hmm. where the horizon seems to go forever. And that brings me to our guest today. His name is Jeremy Passer, and he calls Saskatchewan home, province of Canada. What a segue. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay. It's, uh, if you don't want to be in Wyoming for winter, you should come to Saskatchewan for winter. <laughs> and then maybe you wouldn't think Wyoming is so bad after all. <laughs> good no, point, come on. good point. Jeremy, you just talked about Saskatchewan in a fun way, but we know you love Saskatchewan. Tell me one good thing about it. What do you love about the province? Yeah, I mean, again, just the big, the bigness of it, the vastness of it, the, 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 the open spaces that you have. The people are just, we're very laid back, very... Uh, just salt of the earth kind of people here and uh, yeah no I, I I was talking to you guys you know, before we went live here about a, a there's a TV show that's not on air anymore but it's called Corner Gas and uh, part of the theme song to it said if your dog ran away it, but it took three days and it, it just kind days. of explains how far you can actually see <laughs> here in Saskatchewan well I've been to Saskatchewan I am a witness that what you say is true and it has a stark and jaw-dropping beauty about it and when the sun comes up and the sun goes down and you have that unobstructed view of the horizon, it is absolutely breathtaking. And even in, in the full light of day, it has great beauty. We're so glad to have you, Jeremy. Jeremy, I already heard in your about that you're a Canadian. Of course, yeah. Saskatchewan is one of the great prairie provinces of Canada, but you are a native-born Canadian. And of course, I was born in the States, so was Jay. Tell us about growing up in Saskatchewan. Did you live in a town? Did you live in, on the farm? What was your story? Yeah, so my parents were grain farmers. We actually grew up two miles from the uh, from the American border. Uh, the small town of Frontier was about a uh, 15-minute drive from our family farm. Uh, again, just small town, 200, 300 people uh, about where it was. Um, yeah, no, but growing up in small town is great because you're still afforded every opportunity that you, you would have in other areas. You just have to sometimes be a bit more innovative and creative about the ways that you go about doing certain things. Um, but no, it, it's, uh, it was a great upbringing, just again, having the, the openness of growing up on a farm, uh, but having the freedom to, to go and, and do whatever it is that you wanted to do. You know, when you say small town, and then you said 300 people. Yeah. That's that's really small, that's, Jeremy. That is. That's right. <laughs> you know, yes. just say, I think of a small town, I think, oh, five or 10,000. No, it sounds like kind of a committee meeting at some of the mega churches <laughs> around that's here. That's right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so what's school like? If you, if you live on a farm a few miles away from the town of 300, did you go to a public school? And how big was that? Yeah, for sure. So public school, it was usually about, yeah, I think it maxed out a little over 100, well, about 120 kids, more or less from kindergarten all the way through grade 12. My parents actually took a couple of years, I was homeschooled for a couple of years there between grades four and, and grade nine there, but I went for earlier years and for my high school years. But it, it was a great experience both ways. Um, 
you know, we had a full uh, athletic program throughout our, our, our school. I was able to participate in that both when I was in homeschool, but also back in high school. So that was really good. Very, very competitive uh, school leagues amongst all the different small towns. But yeah, no, we had a pretty bustling small town. When I, when I say it's only 200, 300 people, there was, there's a lot going on in, in Frontier. So it was a great place to grow up. And, you know, I'm a city guy. I know you know this about me, Jeremy. Growing up on a farm sounds like an exotic other world. So when you're growing up on a farm, does this mean that, as I'm imagining, the break of day, the sun comes up and you're having to go out and feed the cows? Or, or was it more mechanized and you didn't actually have that traditional view of farming? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for us, because we were strictly grain farmers. So, I mean, it was a little bit more mechanized in the sense that, you know, yeah, you, you know, you're getting up at six in the morning, you're hopping on the, the tractor. We were still in, in the process of, of cultivating fields. Now we've gotten to a different farming practice where that doesn't happen so much. But in the harvest season, we'll use that as an example, 16 hour work days. Again, you're up at the crack of dawn and you're working until 11 o'clock at night and uh, get up and do that again six days a week. And we take the take Sundays off to have a day to uh, to just re- recoup, relax, you know, go to church. But then on Mondays, six o'clock, up, up and at it again and get the crop off. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see that maybe those young ones who live on a farm and work on a farm, maybe there's a reason they love to go to church because it's the <laughs> yeah. only time that they get to go do something other than farm. Jeremy, um, love hearing about the farm, but obviously you're doing some different things now. What is filling up your time now? Yeah, for sure. So last year, I went through a process of, of securing a nomination to be a representative of a political party, the Conservative Party of Canada. That started, it would have been last, I guess, April was when that happened. And that process ran through till about the middle of June. So it was actually the, the night before Father's Day where I was uh, declared the candidate for the party for the upcoming election here in this riding. The riding is called Cypress Hills Grasslands. Uh, our federal election happened in October so right now we are sitting as the official opposition in government, but uh, yeah, I've transitioned into uh, into an elected official uh, in the government of Canada. Wow, well, a little I mean, bit different than farming, <laughs> I guess. You know, let's let's get up at six a.m. and get that grain together. Uh, so that's uh, fascinating. I mean, Jeremy, you've just you've unpacked a lot of things that I hope our audience can appreciate the magnitude of what you've just described. Yeah. So Canada has a parliament and you're representing a huge swath of Saskatchewan in the House of Commons in Ottawa. Is that right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So just, I was doing a little bit of research beforehand here and just to kind of give an example, I brought up a few, the list of all the states in in the U.S., just looking at their geographic size. So to paint a picture, if you were to take Massachusetts, Vermont, and New Hampshire, combine them into one, they would all fit inside the geographic area that I serve. But the the difference being the population that I have here is only 67,000 people. Oh, my goodness. So, (laughs) so, wow, my my head is spinning uh, because, one, I had a political dream as a young man and actually represented the city of Seattle in the state or equivalent of provincial legislature. I had 74,000 people in my district in northwest Seattle that I represented. You're seated in Ottawa with this popular 67,000, but this vast territory, and you refer to a riding. A riding is what in the States they would describe as a congressional district. So you're, you're in the uh, equivalent of the House of Representatives in the American Congress, which in Canada and in many uh, of the Commonwealth countries would be the House of Commons. And so you have a chair. How many people are in the House of Commons? 
Yeah, so there's 338 elected representatives all across Canada and, and the territories. And uh, so, yeah, right now we've got the governing Liberal Party. We're the official opposition as the Conservative Party. One of the big differences between uh, the Canadian legislature and uh, what you have in the States, you guys more basically have your, your two-party system where you have the Republicans and the Democrats, right? So we have, there's, well, I think there's, yeah, there's six, six parties that are represented in the House right now. We've got the Liberals, the Conservatives. There, there's the, the Bloc Quebecois who only run candidates in the province of Quebec, but they're actually the third party. Uh, then you got the NDP party and you got the Green Party and we have a couple independent members who are sitting as well. Wow. So it's uh, it's a very dynamic conversation in the House of Commons. That's it definitely is. It definitely sense. is. There's a lot more collaboration that has to happen between all the different parties, right? If right. you want to get something done and accomplished, especially when you have a minority parliament like we currently have right now, there's a lot more behind the scenes work that goes on to, to to figure out where everybody is on a certain piece of legislation or or where they are on a, on a piece that you're looking to move forward. And when you say uh, a minority government, by that you mean the Liberal Party, which has the most seats, does not actually have a majority of the seats. So they have to broker a deal with some other players to be able to be in the driver's seat, so to speak. Is that Have I got that right? Yeah, you're right. So you need 171 seats to secure that majority because you know you're going to have the speaker of the house is going to be from your party. Uh, so 171 is is kind of the magic number to hit that majority government level. Um, right now, I, I I think they have 152 seats in on the government side. Uh, as the op- official opposition, we have 121 elected members uh, right now. So, Jeremy, I have the advantage of knowing you, and uh, I can see you right now in a way that our listeners cannot. So I just I have to put this on the table. hope you're not offended, but come on. How old are you? I'm 33 years old. <laughs> 33 oh, years old. Wow. And you're helping to govern Canada, one of the world's great nations, a vast territory. And, man, it just seems to me like an adventure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that you've moved off the family farm. You live in Swift Current, which is a city in Saskatchewan. But you at the age of 33, have found yourself in the House of Parliament. And that's the venue where huge ideas are brought forward that have implications for the whole country, as well as your own constituent base and the world, because Canada's a player. Can you just identify one thing where you got to the Parliament, you got to the House of Commons, and you just thought, wow, this is really significant? Yeah, you know, one of the the moments that really just still stands out to me was was walking in to the house of commons into the chamber where my seat was and just kind of standing there and getting a chance to just take it all in uh and just the the overwhelming sense of uh just just the magnitude of the building just there's so much history there it's it's just it's such a such a grand place to be so there's just kind of that overwhelming sense of like i wow i'm i'm here I was elected to represent my area of the country here, and here it is. Here I am. Jeremy, the transition from, you know, family life, the farm, into politics, where did that start? And did faith have anything to do with that, or is that just something that you'd always wanted to do? Yeah, I, I think there's a few different aspects of play there for sure. So, I mean, I, I had the the natural 
I'll say benefit of having like my uncle was the was the member of parliament in this riding before me. And uh, so he served for just about 20 years. So I was 13 when David was first elected. So as, as a young teenager, that really got me interested in, in politics. My, my family was always involved locally in, in, in politics and organizations, whether it was the church, local church board or the municipal government structure. There was always our school boards. There was always involvement in different different things with my family. So that, that was always a big part of it. But watching my, uh, my uncle David's political career, watching him grow in that role, but then being able to see how he's able to take things such as uh, uh, religious freedom and use that as a, as kind of like his, his, his goal towards the tail end of his political career there. He had a meeting with a, with a guy from, uh, I believe it was, I forget what country in the Middle East it was, but he came over I want to say it was Saudi Arabia, but I, I, I could have that wrong. It was somewhere in the Middle East. Anyway, he came over to uh, to Canada. He was talking with my Uncle David and another a few other MPs just about his situation. Um, and they were offering him the ability to stay in Canada, to, to seek asylum in Canada, because he he basically told them, when I go back, I'll have a, I'll have a target on, on me because mm. I'm speaking out against the government and about their religious persecution that is going on there. And he's and they offered him asylum, and he said, "No, I can't. If I if I'm hiding, what what power does my words have? If I if I can't go back and continue to speak and continue to lead, people need someone to show that they're not afraid." And uh, this individual went back, and within about a month's time of going back, he was assassinated when upon arriving home. I've had the opportunity to actually meet his nephew. He he works for another MP in uh, in, in in Parliament in Canada here. And uh, just listening to him tell stories about his uncle and just 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 the power of that story and just it, it really it got a lot of MPs motivated to really establish something on religious freedom. They they were able to this was still a conservative government at the time. They were able to get the, an office dedicated to religious freedom, and uh, so it, it really got got the ball rolling on that. My uncle is a big part of that with a few other MPs and. Uh, so that, that's the kind of legacy that he was able to to have and to influence on the place. And those are the kind of things, too, that I see as places where, you know, again, if we don't have people in elected positions willing to stand up for for freedoms, not just here in Canada or in the U.S., but but around the world, we need people to be willing to champion those kind of things. David did that, and I see that as something where, as a, especially as a younger MP, I have the, the ability to have an influence in, in that arena as well. Jeremy, as you described this uh, this journey and story that your uncle before you uh, began and you are now stepping into, your own personal journey is one where these are not just principles for you. They're not just ideas or concepts. It's something that you also experience because you're a man of faith. Tell us about that a little bit. Are, are you a person who would say, you know what, I'm a Jesus guy, or I'm, a, I'm an agnostic, or I am not really sure about this? How would you define yourself? Yeah, my, my faith has always been extremely important to me. And after graduating from high school, I actually attended a year of Bible college down in Montana, a place called Montana Wilderness School of the Bible. And that really was key because it helped give me a foundation to, to build upon, right? I was always involved in youth group and in church and different things like that growing up. But having gone to college for that one year in the States was, was really good. So just, again, it provides that foundation that you need as you're going out to start to, to do life on your own. And, uh, I got married young as well too. I was only 20 years old when I was married, and my, my wife and I have been on a a journey of, together with, with with our faith and just with life in general. And, and going through this whole election process, it really it caused us to really 
press in on our faith as well to just really trust that God had us because there's, as you know, Jim, there's a huge time commitment. There's a huge financial commitment that goes into it. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, we weren't necessarily fully prepared for that. And uh, so, I mean, we really had to rely on, on others and we had to just, just, we had to be out there and it, it takes a huge stepping out uh, both personally, but in your faith to be able to do that. And uh, so just to, to, to grow in that with, with my wife, with her by my side and, uh, and keeping Jesus in the middle of everything that we were doing was, was so key and so important to us. And uh, yeah, we're not, neither of us are, are, afraid afraid of our faith we're not we're not going to hide behind anything we're, we're both out there with with where we're at in our faith and it's really important to us is there a a scripture uh, something in the bible that sometimes you retreat to or encourages you or speaks to you or directs you is there a passage that's especially meaningful to you yeah there's a couple different ones that really stand out for me as a, as a youngster one of the first verses that i really remember taken the initiative myself to, to memorize it was Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. And just, just that whole essence of being a light in the darkness has really, and now as an elected official as well, entering the, this, this arena, it, it's that much more important that you have a foundation like that. So that is one verse that has really stuck with me as I've, as I've grown up and uh, there's, there's, with everything that's kind of gone on in the world recently, there's another one that kind of stands out here and I'm just going to read it actually. It's Mark 12, 30, 31. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, with all your strength. Second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, I, th- I think that really sums what's A, what's wrong with, with society today, but also B, there's the remedy right there as well too. Boy, those are great passages for somebody in the public square. It seems to me, Jeremy, Canada is lucky to have you at the center of power. And we're so thankful for your willingness to share with us today. And uh, if you're in our audience and uh, you're listening and you're thinking, wow, are there people like that in the world? Yes, there are. (laughs) And uh, you can be encouraged because uh, there are people of faith, people of principle, and people of integrity who are assuming the risk, taking the dare to actually get into government. And we're so thankful for Jeremy's commitment to that. But maybe where you're living, you're thinking, I don't know if I could do that. Or maybe you're not even sure about faith. You're not sure that you have that foundation that Jeremy's described that might give you a platform of personal confidence and and decision-making to go forward. We just want you to know that you too can discover that same kind of grounding. And you can do that with us right here. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, you have a chance a chance right now to just take a deep breath and to take a moment and pray with us. Talk to God about your life and what you might do. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know every one of us by name, that none of us are here by chance and that you have places for us to go and things for us to do that can be a gift of life to the world into which you've placed us. Thank you for your hand on Jeremy's life and for his faithfulness to that. But we know the same could be said for everyone who bows before you. And right now, for all who join me in this prayer, we pray that your spirit will stir. If they do not know you, if they're not certain that you even are, may they this week have evidence that you are God and that your love is transcendent. If they know you but aren't sure how to serve you, I pray that you will show them Jesus, that Jesus will become plain, in their sight, that you'll open up a way in the next few days, if not just today, 
about the reality of Jesus. And if they already know Jesus, but they're wondering, what can I do? I pray, Lord, that you'll give them a way. Put something in their life in the next seven days that will show them what they can do to serve you and also to love their neighbor as they love you. And we offer it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about this Jesus we're talking about or about how you can have your world changed and how you can change the world, if you have any questions or comments at all, we want to hear from you. And you can call us up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just dial this number toll-free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone, I promise, anxious to hear your voice. But Jay, I know some people don't want to pick up the phone. They may not be ready for a live conversation yet. How can they find us online? They can easily find us at www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's it, CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. Maybe you're accessing this conversation online already in social media. If so, just send us a message in the social media feed. We're watching that too, and we'll get right back to you. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, listen to us on social media, or send me a letter using the post, please let us hear from you this week. Jeremy, I am so proud to be in your company anytime. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the work you do. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show with you guys. This is this is great. It's always great to talk to you, Jim. And uh, again, thank you very much for having me here. It's a deal. And Jay, thanks for coming alongside. Yes, I just remembered how much I had not accomplished by the age of 33. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and we're so thankful to our audience. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll be back with us again next week because guess what? Jeremy's coming back. Awesome. Until then, this is Jim Lyon for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast. Stay tuned.